Hello and welcome to episode 175 of section 138. I'm your host, Mark Colley, as always, joined by Bryson and Jacob. Guys, how are you? How was your Christmases? It was good. It was good. Thanks for asking. And, um, you know, 28 days later, unfortunately, still, we, I mean, ex- expectedly so, we still haven't heard anything about the lockout. But, yeah, I mean, kind of expecting. Hopefully something happens within the new year. But uh, Christmas was good. And, uh, yeah, I mean, just it sucks, you know. Just no baseball news. And um, it's been tough at the same time getting through that. Jacob, how are you? Well, I'm just trying to... Uh trying to last through this because i know eventually the league will will return i know eventually the rest of the leagues will return but right now i'll be honest the one thing i will say is it it is nice to get a bit of a break from all these sports teams because let's be real here i I think cheering for a bunch of teams is probably not good on the uh on the heart a little bit but you know what i do miss it and hopefully we get it back soon on a scale of one to ten how much are you guys missing baseball a thousand like straight up a thousand. I do, I watched a bunch of uh, highlight videos yesterday, and I thought, man, I just I want this back. Uh, I'd say eight. No, I'd say seven. Just because it's. I think it's going to keep going up as the months go on. But since we're not even in the new year yet, I think that's why. And there's other sports on to help me out throughout or right now. But yeah, I'm not totally overboard like Jacob is right now. <laughs> Yeah, I'm probably at an eight or a nine, um, if I'm answering realistically instead of just saying a thousand. But yeah, I'm missing <laughs> it. It sucks. Um, Jacob, you referencing, I assume, the highlight video that Sportsnet put out of the top 10 plays for the Blue Jays in 2021. Yeah, it, it makes you miss them and reliving 2021 all over again. But today we do have news to talk about. Um, recently, over the past week, we've learned that Rogers wants to renovate the Rogers Center. We had previously heard more than a year ago plans to demolish the Rogers Center and replace it with a whole new stadium, either on the same footprint or in a different location by Lake Ontario. Um, That plan appears to have been fully abandoned now. The Blue Jays and Rogers reportedly looking to renovate the Rogers Center. They're looking to spend between $200 million and $250 million on renovations of the lower seating bowl, of other stuff at the Rogers Center. We don't totally know what the plan is. They don't totally know what the plan is. It's still in the planning period, the consideration period, before they announce it. Hopefully, some point in January in the new year. But um, this plan seems to make a lot of sense. It, it makes a lot more sense than the plan that we heard last year about them trying to demolish the Rogers Center and replace it. Because, I mean, first off, it's just easier to do this. It doesn't cost as much money. It makes more sense from a logistical standpoint. You don't have to find a place for the Blue Jays to play for a couple years while you replace the stadium on the same soil. Or in the case that, you know, we had heard the potential of maybe trying to build the same stadium uh, or or a new stadium on the same land because there was a little bit of land, an empty lot across on Blue Jays Way. You could start building the new stadium there, try to do a kind of St. Louis Bush Stadium type plan where you build the old stadium alongside the new stadium and you don't have to miss any time. There was a world where that was possible, but it was always super complicated, especially so because of the complications of the land property that the Rogers Center is actually located on because it's owned by the federal government and they would have had to work out a deal where they could have their you know business development, their property um, part of the land as they had planned alongside the stadium. So all that being said, This plan makes a lot more sense. It's less money. It makes sense for the Blue Jays to do this logistically because it can be done over multiple off-seasons. It's improving a stadium that's really not that old yet, even though it feels really old and we don't like to watch ball games in it. It's not actually that old of a stadium. So I think this plan makes a lot more sense than the plan that we heard of last off-season when they were considering demolishing the Rogers Center. Do you guys agree, agree with that or do you still kind of want a whole new stadium? I'm actually going to disagree with you a little bit, Mark, when you said you don't like to watch games at the Rogers Center. Personally, maybe it's just blindfully liking it because it's the home field of the team I like, but I love the Rogers Center. Like, it's just, it's a a different uh, atmosphere, I think, to other stadiums, and to be fair, I've only ever been to Fenway Park as the other stadium, but I've seen games at other stadiums, and to me, the Rogers Center just feels a lot louder, feels more energetic, and obviously that's part in part because of the fans but I just like the environment and yeah the outfield's not my favorite in the league but I also do like it for other reasons and I don't know I just I think that 
keeping this stadium like I'm neutral about it. Obviously, I like the Rogers Center, but if the team wants to get a new stadium that looks better, that's cool. Like, um, but if you want to just renovate it, save money because I think I was just looking. I don't think we can find too much right now because the renovations are kind of flooding the search engines right now. But it was at least a couple billion dollars, I think, to rebuild or to build a completely new stadium. Whereas 250 million is is I think the maximum estimate right now. That's like that's one fifth of that estimated price or maybe less than that if it's more than a billion so you're saving money and the big thing is you do not have to play in a different stadium that you mentioned and the last two seasons it was Buffalo it was Dunedin it was finally Toronto I don't think that this team wants to be doing any more hotel rooms in other stadiums and you'd imagine that it would be Buffalo maybe that that's what I would assume that it would be Buffalo or possibly Dunedin that they would go to I don't really think anybody wants to see that. I think they want to stay in their major league stadium. And to be honest, if you're going to be a contending team, I think it makes sense to stay in your home ballpark, especially down the stretch and into the playoffs, because those fans, as we saw what happened last year or this year, really, they helped them. And at the end of the day, I think it's just the Rogers Center. I like it. And if you're going to keep it and just renovate it and upgrade it, that's honestly, that's I think that's probably the better option for most of the reasons that you listed earlier and we've started to see I think some things such as the video board being expanded or something was going on I think we saw a few videos on Twitter and it's just little things that are going to upgrade the stadium but not necessarily change it completely and I'm doing some searches as we speak and there were some people complaining about the turf maybe renovating that or changing that switching it to grass not really sure how likely the grass is just because I mean, part of the uh, part of the reason that there is a roof is that you now don't need the the like filtration systems and all that for the that normal grass would have, and that's part of the reason why you frantically close the roof when it's raining. But honestly, like I mean, the, the one criticism I think of turf is that some players were getting injured and unexpectedly, where they weren't getting those types of issues and the balls weren't hopping the way they were in twenty eight of the other stadiums, including Tampa Bay, because they also have turf, but. Basically, it's just little things that'll upgrade the stadium or modify it a little bit. And if you can keep the Rogers Center, you can keep this team where they belong, or it, which is a major league stadium for the foreseeable future, then I'm honestly fine for it. And at this point, I think it's it's safe to say that if the Rogers Center was to be replaced, then we would pretty much have a confirmed or a confirmation about that now because it's going to take eight to ten years. And that was the prediction a year ago. And if it's eight to ten years that's still a long time away but if you were to keep delaying it a couple years then at that point that's way out of the picture and that's probably beyond even this competitive schedule and this roster and so now it's just let's modify this stadium let's keep it and i mean yeah one day this roger center will probably be modified or will probably be replaced but i think at this point it's safe to say that that is that's kind of that's in the vault for now and it's not going to be what the case is uh, at least for the foreseeable future yeah, I think I'm at peace with this. I mean, I think throughout the pandemic, a lot of is obviously has changed, and it's pretty much completely twisted the Jays' decision from maybe exploring the possibility to kind of ruling it out for the time being. And if they're going to spend upwards of 250 million, which was the initial report, um, a part of me believes what you think, Jacob. Like this is for a long time. Like this is going to be for a long time, and that's why I think that's what it does. It kind of pauses the idea of a new ballpark for the foreseeable future, like you said word for word just now. But in the meantime, I mean, if you can make Rogers Center a lot better, then I'm all for it. And here's the thing, too, with it. It's a lot of people, I think, have the same opinion. Well, I shouldn't say a lot of people, but I, I, I should say some people do, is that a lot of people enjoy watching a game when the roof is open. It's the problems that come with it is when the roof is closed. So, in this renovation plan, whatever it is, all the the only thing that we kind of know for sure is that it's likely going to be a redesign at the lower level. So if you can find a way, and I don't know what it is, maybe window, I don't know, I'm just spitballing, but if you can find a way to make it more enjoyable with the roof closed, I think it'd be, um, I think that's something that they should look into. And obviously modernizing it in some sort of way, we know how quickly it became out of date as much as it's only, I think, the seventh oldest MLB park in the league. So if they can find ways to do that, and I know a lot of people complain about how tight the seats are in the lower level, so if you can kind of 
make that more comfortable for fans as well. I think there's a lot they can do with it. And I'm not really nervous for any kind of move because when you look at how this organization has revamped their spring training facility in Dunedin, we've seen what they've done with TD Ballpark and the facilities itself. I'm more excited to see what they actually have planned because you know they must have a lot going on in terms of planning. And um, I think one of you guys said it right away too. A new video board was coming in at the or at the for for next year. So I guess it's already kind of being implemented now. It might already be done. Uh, I believe turf was also replaced two years ago. It just wasn't in use until they came back this summer. So I don't know how quickly or how long until they do that again. I know they do that every couple years, but at least every time they do that, the turf continues to get better. And as much as people want grass, I think we've kind of blown or went past that idea, unfortunately, just that it's not... um, possible because of the roof being closed pretty much for majority of the year it's only open for a few months of the year which is in the summer so I think I'm kind of at peace with everything I think I know I think fans know what they're getting out of when they go to the Rogers Center I think that's fine but the fact that they are investing this amount of or this much money into it definitely gets me optimistic to see that they can make find a way to make this ballpark even better than you know what it could be when the roof is open because I think when the roof's open a lot of us enjoy it as much as it's a uh, there's a lot of concrete everywhere. So it, it, it's not horrible. And I think that's why, um, you know, some people agree with that. Some people may disagree with that. And, you know, there's been a lot of memories as well in that stadium. The location of it, I think, is in a great spot too. It's right near uh, Scotiabank Arena. It's right near public transit. So there's a lot of, there would be a lot of kind of factors and a lot of confusion just in a lot of complex scenarios if they decide to go elsewhere. You were mentioning the place at the lakefront uh, Mark, there there is a spot there that they were looking at. And, you know, the other question that I think most of everyone had at the time, and this was before the Jays were even coming back, uh, this is when we were discussing this, is, you know, where would they play if they actually did decide to build a new ballpark? And, you know, if it, especially if they're going to have go on the same site as it would be at Rogers Center, it'd be a complete mess. I mean, the only uh, obviously way that we would have think or think of it is that they'd play at Rogers Center and build a stadium on a new location, but there'd just be a lot that would come with it and a lot of kind of changes they would have to make. Meanwhile, Rogers Center is currently located in a pretty good spot, in my opinion. So I'm at peace with it either way. If they decided at the time or now to move forward with a new ballpark, I would be fine with it as well. But, you know, I think I, me personally, I can survive with Rogers Center for the next, who knows, maybe decade at least. And I think maybe eventually then that's probably when they'd reevaluate. But, you know, $250 million for renovations is going to, it's a lot of money for Rogers Center. So that's why I'm excited to see the changes they make. And the one thing I do wonder is, when these renovations will kick in like I don't know if it's all going to happen at once or they're going to kind of do things from time to time throughout the next couple years I'd like to get more details on that but uh, the only thing again we know is that it's going to be a redesign of the stadium's lower level and I'm sure there's going to be a lot more coming so I'm fine with it with the roof open it's very nice especially in the summer you guys both know that day or or night Uh, the problem and the criticism that comes with it is obviously first of all the turf but that is a lose situation or lose lose situation because of the roof itself and with the dome closed at all a lot of people don't find it as enjoyable and there's where there's some criticism criticisms and of course the building again a lot of concrete so there's not much you can do now with that part but the fact that they will make this better and try to make it better is what excites me for the next few years yeah as much as i knock the rogers center like there is a lot to love there and Jacob calling me out on that. Like, <laughs> there are good parts of the Rogers Center. You know, it might not be the top of its class. We mentioned that it's not actually that old, but it was kind of the last stadium of a generation where you're building multi-purpose enclosed stadiums. It was revolutionary for having its moving roof and being able to to have a retractable roof. And then a couple years later, I think three years later, Camden Yards comes along and revolutionizes baseball stadiums, and every stadium built since then has followed the model of Camden Yards, whereas the Rogers Center is kind of a a relic of a, a bygone era of, of multi-purpose retractable roof stadiums. So, um, and even retractable roof stadiums now, they are open to the city. You look at Minute Maid Park in Houston, you look at T-Mobile Park in Seattle, they have giant windows in them that you can see out into the city that even when the roof is closed, there's ways for light to get in globe life field in texas is another one that follows that rule so um yeah there still is a lot to love in the rogers center though and with the roof open it's not a bad stadium the problem comes when the roof is closed so um i guess the next question is what we want those renovations to be 
if we had to come up with a dream list of our ideal renovations for the Rogers Center, what is on that list? I think for me, the first one is somehow opening it up to the city when the roof is closed. Whether that is, I don't know if I'm, you know, dreaming here and this is truly impossible, but whether that's like some sort of translucent roof, you know, replacing the kind of white paneling that we have with some sort of glass or see-through product. I don't know if that's even possible in the wildest imaginations of the people who are modeling these uh, renovations, but that's something that I would like to see. Or, um, you know, there are areas of the Rogers Center that you could open up more to the outside, um, whether that's in the concourse, opening up the concourse to the stadium itself, to the field that you can see it when you're on the concourse, stuff like that, just making it more of an open air experience. Because I think right now the problem is that um, especially on the 500 level, when you are in the concourse, you are so totally removed from a ball game. Like you are nowhere near, it, it doesn't feel like a baseball atmosphere when you're on the concourse of the 500 level. It feels like you are in a office building or something. Like it is so totally removed from the actual baseball that's happening on the field. And it's also removed from the city. So I think there has to be some sort of um, fix there to make it so that it is more of a seamless transition from the field to the concourse and from the concourse to the to the city outside. Um, another thing that you know is going to be considered is the lower seating bowl, um, making those seats more comfortable. Uh, I got to be honest, I don't sit down there very often because they're more expensive tickets than I like to buy, but um, making those seats more comfortable, giving them more leg room, that kind of thing is also going to be on the list. And also just improving the concessions. Um, I think a lot of people have complained that the food at the Rogers Center is not great. It's obviously overpriced. It's always going to be overpriced for a stadium, but um, the food is not great. The options are not great. It seems like it's pizza, hot dogs, or sausages if you go to the Rogers Center, and there's not much in the way of anything else besides maybe nachos with cold fake cheese sauce on top <laughs> of them. So expanding those food options, and Jacob, you mentioned some other stadiums that you've been to. Um, one of the ones that I've been to is City Field in New York. And the Mets have phenomenal food options. There's this place out in center field. Forget what it's called, but um, they have a whole bunch of different food options. They have a place where you can get Mexican food. I remember I got this um, corn on the cob that had, I can't remember, it had some sort of cheese on it and spices, and it was just delicious. And I also got pulled pork nachos there, and they had a Shake Shack there. They had a whole bunch of different food options. And it just makes you envy what the Rogers Center doesn't have in terms of food options. So I think that's one of the things that's high on my list is improving those food options. But uh, what's on your guys' list of what you'd like to see these renovations do? Well, first off, I might need to go and uh, pause this and go make <laughs> some food because I am hungry all of a sudden after hearing that. But uh, I think for me, the biggest thing, and I, I don't think this is realistic at all, but I think the hotel kind of needs to go so that you can revamp or re renovate the outfield now don't get me wrong i like the WestJet flight deck i like the the seating of the of the outfield especially in the maybe the one and 200 levels but it to me it just it really feels as if you're in a hockey rink or a, a basketball stadium type of atmosphere in the sense that the entire thing is just it's covered and it's it's not visible from the outside and i know you're gonna have to work out with marriott how you're gonna tell them to just demolish one of their hotels and i don't think that's realistic but to me, that's got to be the biggest thing is you can really, there's a lot of things you can do. You can have an open air thing. Maybe you have something like, I think it was City Field with that big apple in the outfield. Maybe you have, I don't know, Ace's face or something above or behind the, I think it's called the batter's eye, that big black screen. So they can see the ball, something like that. Uh, as for food, I'm going to be honest. I am, I'm, I'm open to anything. I'm really not that picky. I would eat and I mean, it is overpriced. I'm not going to lie. Usually I eat before I go to the game, but it I'm not necessarily against it. Maybe just giving more options. I think there's one pizza uh, chain that's like available or one or two of them that are available throughout the entirety of the stadium. Maybe switch one or two of them out or I'm, I'm not going to say have three different pizza chains because there's only so much pizza that people can eat. But I think that would probably be my number one thing is just mainly look at the outfield because to me that's the the biggest difference between the Rogers Center and every other stadium like look at Yankee Stadium and I know there are a lot of differences between that but the or between that and the Rogers Center but the lower or, or the back half of the stadium towards where home plate is 
it's sort of as closed off, at least from when you're in the stadium, as the Rogers Center would be. But then you go into the outfield and you can see the city or in Detroit or Pittsburgh or all these other stadiums, you can see the city. Like it's not just it's not as if you're watching a baseball game and that's it. There's nothing to see. That's what I would like to see. And this isn't necessarily a renovation, but it's maybe a modification of the rules. And I'm just here on MLB.com. And the Rogers Center roof has to be closed when the temperature is below 10 degrees Celsius, which I get. I mean, nobody wants to play in the cold. Nobody wants to be freezing cold in the stadium. But, and I'm not really focusing on April and, and May and March. Like, obviously, it's going to be cold and, and whatnot. But I think the one thing that's unfortunate, unfortunate is in the playoffs, the roof is pretty much always closed. And you remember 2016, I believe, actually, I think the wild card game... I think the roof was open for that, yeah, but then the rest of the the division series and the championship series, the roof was closed. 2015, it was closed, and I think that was probably the only two series, or the only two years that the team has made the playoffs, because they had that, like, 22-year drought, and I think they were, I don't know, I'm, my memory's lagging, but my point is, is I would like to see some type of modification where if people, if the consensus is to open it, even if it's, obviously, if it's, like, negative 10, then nobody wants that, but... If it's eight or, or five degrees or anything around that, I think maybe modify that so you can have the roof open because, I, I mean, I'm sure there'd be some noise complaints from the hotels and the and the apartment buildings after a, a playoff game. But I would like to see something like that where you can at least open it and it feel like a real baseball game and not say, oh, it's, you know, it's five degrees. We can't open the stadium, even though, say, the majority of people want it. But other than that, I don't really think there's a ton that I would necessarily go against. I mean, at the end of the day, I, I, anything that makes the stadium nicer, I would definitely be definitely be in favor of. But in terms of what I want, it's just kind of not so minor things in terms of removing a hotel from the back of the stadium, but just little things like, you know, changing how you can have the rules for the roof and hopefully opening the stadium, at least the outfield up to, I guess, the rest of the public. Yeah, that's interesting how um, one of your ideas was like partially open it, opening it. And they kind of have that now. It's like a flap, I think, that opens up in left field or something. So realistically, that's not impossible from what you're suggesting. And I think that's something that should be looked at as well, actually. So maybe, you know, in that sense, something partially opens the stadium uh, in those months, like you were mentioning. And of course, uh, they had to do it this year even when it was raining or whatnot because of uh, air circulation because of the pandemic. So that was something that they were doing this year. But of course, it's not really noticeable. So if there's a way you can make everything more noticeable with the roof closed, that's my biggest issue. And I think that's everyone's biggest issue. And I go back to what you were saying, Mark, some sort of or any sort of windows or kind of anything like that with something to do with the roof or around the uh, maybe the first level of the stadium or not even just around the walls in general to make it more presentable like you were mentioning when it was open. I guess it, something would be pretty cool if there was like a, a window kind of facing the Rogers Center so, or sorry, the CN Tower so you can see it even when the, the roof is also closed. So for me, it's pretty basic and kind of um, similar to what you were mentioning, Mark, of how something with to do with windows to make it more presentable when it's closed. I think that's the biggest issue for me. And if you're going to revamp the the lower level, of course, the 100 level, maybe even the 200 level, but I think it, they're prioritizing more on that just to make it more comfortable, maybe space it out a little bit more. It's okay if they want to remove a few seats as well. Like I understand Rogers Center can hold 50,000 people or plus, but realistically, if you want to enhance the experience and make it more presentable, you can afford to take out a couple of seats. I don't know if they will, but I know a lot of stadiums that don't fit as or can hold as many people as Rogers Center, but of course they're a lot nicer. I mean, you look through other stadiums that can hold maybe up to 45, 48,000 and they're much nicer and they're one of the nicest in the game. And of course there's a there's even some that hold less than that that I think that are pretty much the top rank. You look at kind of PNC Park, you looked at T-Mobile, uh, or not T-Mobile Park. It's or it used to be uh, the place in San Francisco, they re it used to be AT&T, but they renamed it. So that place, of Oracle course, San Park? Francisco. Is it now? Is it Oracle? Oracle Park. That's what it is. You're right. Yeah. I think that's what it was. One of you guys can correct me as I talk, too. So that though, that one, PNC Park. So those, those stadiums hold less people. And, of course, I'm not saying the Jays cut it completely, but I'm saying if you want to space it out a little bit more, and take out a few here at seats here and there. I think that's something that they can definitely live with. That's my biggest concern. I think pretty much the on-field things, 
is already at the best they can do. We know they implemented an alder infield back in 2016. That is something that was pretty much much needed for ever. Like that was something that they've never or have always been slacking on. And they did that. They've re- replaced the turf multiple times. You're always going to have that every few years. They replaced the batting cages. We know that um, a lot of the thing or a lot of the player kind of you know equipment rooms and all that. What is accessible to the players underneath or just. Uh, off the field has uh, gotten a lot better over the years, and especially last year, I think they really stepped up their game with that. So, and it's just a bit, and been a bunch of renovations that they've had that they couldn't really show off to the players because they haven't been here. We know the uh, the spring training facility I mentioned at the beginning that's been redone completely, and that's um, pretty much out of the park as well. So that that's awesome of what they've done with that. So I think lowering um, the capacity a little bit to make the seating more comfortable windows and of course concessions you were mentioning too mark um you know that's something i've probably on my list as well it's not as high of a priority but it's definitely something that would be you know we'd be benefit a much better from to have better options and pretty much you know whatnot at concession stands and jacob your idea of removing the hotel definitely interest kind of caught me off guard a little bit i understand your um your suggestion with that I, i'm curious to see if that ever if that anything comes close to that or maybe they revamp something to do with how it presents itself with just making it more modern modern in terms of the hotel so i don't know how likely it is they can separate a hotel from that but it's definitely an interesting idea and i do like your idea though of maybe having a possibility where you can partially open the roof as well i'm really in favor of that i'm in favor of the windows and again the last thing the lower level which they already are planning to do make it more comfortable if they do all those things, I think uh, this the stadium is going to be a lot nicer and it's going to be a lot more enjoyable to watch, especially when the weather's still bad in April and the beginning of May. Yeah, who knows whether like actually doing something with the the hotel is like physically possible structurally, but these are all fantasy world ideas. Who knows how practical any of them are? But this is just bucket list stuff that we would like to see with the Rogers Center. Um, you mentioned the capacity, Bryson. Yeah, the Rogers Center is the third largest stadium by capacity in baseball. It's Dodger Stadium with 56,000 seats, Coors Field with 50,000 seats, and Rogers Center with 49,000 seats. Those all being max capacity numbers. You don't need that many seats. Like There are very successful stadiums that sell out every game. Um, Fenway Park being the first that comes to mind and they are smaller capacity. I think Fenway is 34,000 seats. So you can go ahead and make the experience better for the fans who are at the games on the lower seating bowl, reduce that seating, maybe open up some of the 500 level by removing some sections. You can make it a more enjoyable experience for the fans who are at the game while reducing capacity because you don't need 49,000 seats. It's just not necessary. Um, Another thing I would like to see is a team museum of some sort. I know there is... You know, there's a level of excellence, there's all those kind of things, but we don't really have any recognition of team history in the stadium. And this is something that we've seen from a whole other host of stadiums. You talk about Yankee Stadium, you talk about City Field, they have a Mets museum there. Um, Even Fenway Park has their own sort of, I don't think it's actually in the stadium, but they have their uh, team store out on, um, the name of the street is escaping me, but they have a team store there and they have... Um, a mini museum sort of thing, and they have old players come for every game where they sign stuff. Um, That kind of thing, a recognition of team history is another thing I would like to see. But as I said, this is all fantasy world ideas. These are ideas that are the bucket list of stuff. Um, Let's talk about what's actually practical, because there's been people complaining that the price tag for this is not high enough. Um, 200 million to 250 million is the number we have publicly right now. But if you compare it to other numbers, it kind of gives us a sense of what's possible. So recently, the most recent stadium built is Globe Life Field in Arlington, Texas. Um, that cost $1.2 billion to make. So that kind of puts it into perspective, 250 mil to $1.2 billion for an entire new stadium. That seems to indicate that the Blue Jays could do quite a lot with $250 million because they're not building a whole new stadium. They can make small adjustments that would improve the stadium greatly for $250 million. On the other side of things, you have Fenway Park. Their renovations around 2008, 2010, um, those were price tagged at $285 million. That's American, not Canadian. That's you know, $2006, not 
today dollars, so there's a little bit of different in comparison there, but $285 million for the Fenway renovations. And the, um, in those renovations, they added seats, they expanded concessions, they expanded team stores, new bathrooms, they had better menus in concessions, they had larger TVs at concessions, and they um, added all new scoreboards around the field. So that's kind of what they were able to do with a similar amount of money to what the Blue Jays have at their disposal right now, or at least what we've heard. Um, so knowing all of that, do you think it's not enough money? Do you think $250 million isn't enough money to do what it would actually take to make the Rogers Center a better experience for the fans? Or do you think it's you know a good starting point, a good price for the Blue Jays to be investing, for Rogers to be investing into a better experience? Well, I think it depends on exactly what they're doing. Like once we figure out everything that goes on or what the, you know, the projections are, then I think it would make a little bit more sense to, I guess, make an, uh, make an assumption about that. But I'm not sure. I mean, I, I think at the end of the day, it depends on how you want to go about this. Like say my idea of taking out the hotel, that's obviously not within the realm of possibility, even with that price tag, or even, even if you want to increase it to like, I don't know, 400 million or something like that would still take a lot of money. But if all you're doing is, and I think the roof or not the roof, the, uh, the scoreboard is done. I'm assuming it, it was posted maybe four or five months ago at this point. That's, I have no idea what the price on that specifically was, but if what you're doing is kind of what we're suggesting, where you reduce the seating capacity, maybe modify it a little bit, then I don't think that that's well out of I don't think that's a a ill area of money to spend. I think that's probably realistic and it's a good starting point at the end of the day. That's what you just said there. It's not a huge, huge, huge investment because at the end of the day, it is it's modifications. It's not a completely new stadium. And I'm not saying don't spend money because it's an old stadium and you might revamp it or re replace in the future. But you also got to understand that it isn't a completely brand new stadium that requires a, a ton of, of money. And, if all you're doing is these little things of say increasing the or reducing the capacity, excuse me there and modifying, you know, the lower bowl, maybe I like your idea of that, that team museum. Maybe you do something like that. I don't think that that's going to cost as much money as, or, or more money than what they're expecting. I don't think like, it's obviously going to require money and it's not cheap, but it's, I don't think that it would be too out of the picture to say that, Oh, well, we have this limited amount of money. There's only so much that we can do. I think that they could do what they need to do with $250 million. And who knows? I, I think what's very clear about this current management, Ross Atkins, Mark Shapiro, is that they're willing to invest in this team, at least now since the rebuild is kind of finished. It's clear that they want to put effort into not only the players, but the, the environment and what we, we saw what they did in Dunedin. And so say this does require, I don't know, an extra 50 or $100 million to, who knows, maybe they want to completely redo the street that that uh, that that's like around the back half of the Rogers Center. Maybe they want to do something like that. They could do that. And I think they would put out the money. They, whatever is realistic and, you know, makes sense for not only the team, but the, the players and the, or the, the fans and everything. I think they could do that. But as of right now, I think $250 million Considering what we've kind of assumed is within the realistic uh, possibilities for them to modify the stadium with, I think that it's a it's a fair amount of money. Yeah, I agree with you. I just I, a part of me also wonders maybe because they're going this high, and which is considerably considerably low from people's opinion. Maybe that also tells you that this is something. If you look ten years down the road that they're going to maybe reevaluate again in terms of building a new stadium. So who knows how set in stone they are with Rogers Center, I guess, in the next decade. Obviously, for the, uh, the, the long-term future, it's going to be here. But, you know, a lot of stadiums, we see it. I mean, even throughout, not even just baseball, you see NFL stadiums now, billions of dollars at least. And, like, that's, like, the minimum price tag that you're seeing. You, Mark, you mentioned Arlington, uh, or, sorry, Globe Life Park in Arlington and... Um, I mean, that also, like, insane with what the cost was for that. So I think from what we're kind of, you know, a lot of us obviously in our fantasy world, when you kind of list things off of what you would like to see, I think a lot of it maybe seems, it's obviously probably over the budget of $250 million, especially if you want to remove a hotel connected to the stadium. But, you know, <laughs> like, 
for I think a lot of the things we mentioned though is possible with the budget they have. Like pretty much any sort of way to add some windows or some sort of natural light to come into the park when the stadium's closed. And then of course, you know, revamping the seats. Like to me, that seems like it's reasonable from the amount of money that they put forward. And of course, a lot of it, my opinion would obviously change depending on the actual renovation plans, if they release it or what it eventually looks like when everything's all set and done. Um, so that's why, you know, it's hard to say right now if it was worth it or not. And a lot of people are going to be judgmental about it afterward. If it was, if it was really worth it or not, you know, there is a, a few people seeing reactions that still want an actual st- or a new stadium being built. And, uh, you know, I think that's something that is still possibly going to happen in the future. But, you know, this obviously puts another decade, I think, in terms of a lifespan to Rogers Center. So $250 million, I think, if, to me, it seems fine to start with. And um, I'm not sure if they're ever going to get more than that or, you know, maybe add more throughout the years. But just in some sort of way to enhance natural light when the roof is closed and then maybe and again fixing the seating i think that can come at a i think that that's fine like i don't think that's spending over 250 million it just it doesn't make sense to me but of course who who would what would i know about architecture but you know in terms of things that are realistic that seems like it's good enough and you know a lot of us are gonna have to wait again to see the actual results of the reno plants to have a firm opinion on it but once the initial report came out that they were going to spend two two hundred to two fifty, not once in my mind did I think it was not enough money until uh, you you asked the question mark. So I think so far I'm fine with it, and um, of course that can change. But right now, if you're asking me right now, I'm fine with that money that's going to be spent. And um, the one thing too that I see a lot of people requesting is the name to go back to Skydome, and of course that's pretty much not going to happen. I mean, un- unless ownership changes, right? So I don't think that's a realistic um, idea too. That seems more like a fantasy name right now too, unless Rogers actually decides to do that. But why would they do that if they take their own name off the stadium? It doesn't make sense. So I just wanted to ask you guys about that, even though I think we all know it's pretty much zero to impossible in terms of that happening. But, you know, Windows, first level, I think they can get this done with the budget they have, and I'm I'm pretty excited again to see what they do with this uh, in the next couple of years. Yeah, Dream World, love the Sky Dome. Uh, not going to happen on its own volition without Rogers selling the team. Um, it's staying at Rogers Center as long as they are owning the team and owning the stadium. So, but yeah, what if it's, though, um, hear me out. What if uh, now I know we've seen some really questionable name changes to stadiums primarily in la i don't even remember what it was but like they have a dot com at the end of what the crypto.com arena in la that's the worst arena name i've ever seen (laughs) if i'm being honest but hear me out what if you call it and this is just speaking out loud or thinking out loud but what if you change it to the rogers sky dome because then you keep it but you also keep the rogers i don't know maybe it's maybe it's a terrible idea but you can at least keep it the problem with that though is that no one's going to call it a rogers sky dome Everyone's just going to say Skydome. True, true. Yeah, that's true. So you don't kind of get the same yeah. value out of it. But yeah, yeah I don't fair. know. The and last... enough people still call it Skydome as it is. Yeah. Well, that's what the majority of what I call it. There you go. The last thing I will say on all of this is just, and I, I one of you brought it up, but just kind of the investment that the team is making and Rogers is making in their facilities. Like Mark Shapiro, Ross Atkins, um, They've done a phenomenal job of investing in the facilities where the Blue Jays are playing, whether it's player development complex, whether it's TD uh, Ballpark in Dunedin, and now the Rogers Center. Like, There have been complaints about the quality of the Rogers Center for decades. Uh, you know, you go back, this is very recent history, but even back to 2015 when the team was successful and they're selling out every game, like... There was still complaints about the Rogers Center then. This has been a very long challenge for the Blue Jays and for Rogers as a team and for as a company and ownership group to renovate the Rogers Center to make improvements. And you go back to Paul Beeston talking about replacing the turf with actual um, uh, grass and you know kicking the Argos out of the stadium so that they can make improvements and make it baseball only instead of having to split time with football and you know, all those kinds of things. This has been a very long conversation and kudos to Rogers, kudos to Mark Shapiro for coordinating this and actually making it almost a reality. We still don't have the actual plan, but we're awaiting eagerly for when it is announced, which is 
supposed to be the plan is supposed to be finalized next month in January and announced soon after that. So hopefully by February 1st, we have an idea of what these renovations look like. But um, kudos to Rogers, kudos to Mark Shapiro, kudos to the entire Blue Jays ownership group and management and executive group for making this a reality after so long of this being on a, a dream wish list for Blue Jay fans. Um, speaking of dream wish lists for Blue Jays fans, our next topic for today is Jose Ramirez. And this is not actually any news about Jose Ramirez or a potential trade, but um, Caitlin McGrath, the athletic, who is an awesome writer, awesome uh, coverage of the Blue Jays. She put out a trade proposal that she thinks is a appropriate um deal for the Blue Jays to make and an appropriate offer and a realistic offer for all them to make. So basically, I just want to go over this offer and we can talk about um, how realistic we think it is, what we would like to see changed in this uh, proposed deal. But basically what she is proposing is um, Ramirez for Kevin Biggio, Lourdes Goriel Jr., Alejandro Kirk, and Jordan Groshans. So Groshans is the fourth ranked prospect, middle infielder, shortstop, third baseman in the Blue Jays system, along with three major league guys, Biggio, Gurriel, and Kirk. Um, in my mind, I think this is a very appropriate offer. You break it down by piece by piece, positional versatility. Um, Alejandro Kirk, I think he's expendable. As much as it pains me to say that, you have... A surplus of catching in the organization. You have Gabriel Moreno coming up, who's a top prospect. You have already at the major league level Danny Jansen. You have Reese McGuire, who is on a you know kind of the brink of the major league level, but he's there. He's ready to contribute, whether he's hitting well at the time or hitting not so well as we saw in the latter part of the season. But do um, you have a surplus at catcher? You don't need Alejandro Kirk. You can afford to move him. Um, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. a little bit of a more difficult conversation to have because he's so cheap and he adds so much to this team offensively. But again, I think you have a positional strength in the outfield. You can afford to add there if you want with getting rid of Lourdes Gurriel Jr., but you can afford to expend him because you have strength already there in Randall Grishik, in uh, Teoscar Hernandez, in George Springer, in all those guys. Um, Kevin Biggio, high ceiling potentially. We haven't totally seen it in the past few years. Um, I think he's going to have a bounce back season after his issues with neck injuries, but again, not a top level guy that the Blue Jays can afford to get rid of, but a guy who has enough potential that Cleveland and the Guardians would probably be interested in him, in him as part of a bigger prospect. So um, all that being said, I think this is a very realistic prospect. If Cleveland said, you give us these guys today, we will give you Jose Ramirez. I do that in a heartbeat. I think it is worthwhile for that. Jose Ramirez is top three, top five players in Major League Baseball over the last four or five seasons. That is a type of premier talent that doesn't come around so often. And I think the minute you trade for Jose Ramirez as a team, assuming you don't give up too much Major League talent in that moment, you become an instant World Series contender. And I think the Blue Jays are close to being there, but they aren't there yet. But I think if they get Jose Ramirez, they take that next step and they're an instant World Series contender. So all that being said, if this was actually offered to the Blue Jays, I would take it in a heartbeat. Do you guys agree? The only thing I don't like about this is Guriel being part of the trade. Now, the, I understand, like, he's a good player, and if he, if it's the make or break of the trade, if it's either you give us Guriel part of the deal or, or Cleveland backs out of it, I can stomach that. But if you can somehow get away with not giving up Lourdes Guriel Jr., I think you have to exercise all options and... Looking at the top 10 prospect list, I think Gabe Moranos and Elvis Martinez are untouchables. I said that about Austin Martin last year, but I'm going to completely retract that statement because I think nine years of Jose Barrios is well worth it. But I feel like maybe if you can somehow convince the Guardians to consider... I mean, you look at Otto Lopez, he's the fifth ranked prospect. He's a infielder listed as an infield slash outfielder. Maybe you can justify instead of Lourdes Gurriel Jr., maybe it's Otto Lopez and Randall Grichik. I, I mean, to be fair, I don't think Randall Grichik is worth it for Cleveland. I don't want to say that, but, you know, if you're Cleveland, you're saying, well, he's a average at best outfielder at this point in his career. I just think if you can somehow 
maybe it's I don't want to give up too much prospect capital just as much as I don't want to give up too much major league capital. But if you can somehow keep Gurriel in your outfield, I think that you have to consider it. And maybe it's you give up another prospect. I mean, the ETA on on both Groshan, well, Groshan's actually, yeah, both of them, Lopez and Groshan's on MLB.com is listed as 2022. So maybe those two can compete in in the Cleveland organization, especially at the major league level next year. But I think you have to consider keeping Gurriel at, at pretty much till the point where you realize the deal is going to ha- not happen if you don't trade Gurriel. And it pains me to say that because, I mean, yeah, his roots in the outfield sometimes confuse me. His arm is definitely there. I mean, you, you work on that and you have a very legitimate hitter, except for the first month and a half of the season, you had a 300 hitter. <clears throat> and you have somebody who can throw out runners with the best of them in the league. I think you got to consider keeping him unless you get to the point where Cleveland says it's either he's part of the deal or the deal's off. But I'd like to see what you guys think. I mean, maybe the prospects is too much. Maybe you don't want to give up too many of your top 10 prospects. But I think that if you can keep Gurriel giving up an extra prospect or two, even if it's your higher ranked prospects, I think that that would definitely make it worth it. But Aside from that, I think the deal is fine. Alejandro Kirk, I think one of the catchers is expendable. Whether it's Kirk or, well, it's probably Kirk because, I mean, the other two maybe don't don't bring as much potential value to a trade. Definitely could value the Blue Jays or be value valuable for the team. But if you're looking at projections, Kirk probably has the highest projections in terms of trade value. With Biggio, same thing. I mean, at the end of the day, the rest of the trade I like, I think it's fair and I think it's realistic because at the end of the day, if you're going to acquire a top five player in Major League Baseball, you're going to have to give up a lot. And those pieces I think I'm comfortable with. You still have, even if you give up Jordan Groshans, you still have Orelvis Martinez, who is listed as a shortstop and third baseman. He's coming up expected in, not next year, in 2022, but the year after that. Who knows how realistic all these ETAs are, but you still have another guy coming up in the infield. So with the rest of that deal, I think it's fine. But Gurriel, to me, you guys, I don't know if you guys agree or disagree, but I think Gurriel is is probably the one thing that sticks out as the thing that you have to work, basically work tirelessly to avoid having to trade him. But the rest of the deal, I think, is is it's fair. It's realistic, and it's part of the art of doing business in Major League Baseball. Yeah, I don't think a deal gets done without Gurriel in it. That's the problem because I know even going back to a couple of years, or maybe it was a year ago, I can't even remember because of everything being the way it is. But I think, believe so, in the past, Cleveland has showed interest in Gurriel and they've wanted Gurriel in the past before. And you know that if they're going to revisit this, you know what they're going to ask for right away alongside somebody like Alejandro Kirk. So I think those two right there are staples in a deal for uh, Jose Ramirez. And of course, I think I saw another uh, proposal or kind of a format that is similar uh, to a recent one that you showed, Mark. But I think instead of giving up Biggio, I think it was it was a top prospect, which was Jordan Groshans, and then a lower-level prospect as well. But this one, I think makes a lot more sense to me. I don't think you give you can't give up um three people or I, I don't think you can get away with giving up only two major league um talent and then a top prospect and a lower prospect. I think Cleveland is going to want that major league talent as well, which is why they're going to take three people and I do think Kevin Biggio is definitely expendable too in this situation. And then the only t- prospect you give away is your top one or one of them, which is I think the organization's fourth prospect, which is Jordan Groshans. So this is a scenario that I would take in a heartbeat. I mean, you 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 spoke about Jose Ramirez's resume, Mark. If he's pretty much a top player in the game, and I mean, technically the Jays are still in need of an infielder after losing Marcus Simeon this winter. So it's not like they're adding something where you, you know they. It's like they need him as well. It's not more of a want. It's a need as well because of the fact that they have to fill in for Simeon's production, which is what we we discussed, I believe, uh, a few weeks ago when he signed with the Rangers. So you lose him. And you have people that you have to replace. You see what the Jays did? They replaced Robbie Ray. They got Kevin Gosman. And in this case, there's not really anybody else on the market. And I mean, there is, but to a high impact or arguably a higher impact than Marcus Simeon, if you want to get even better, Jose Ramirez is that guy. And of course, it's going to cost a lot. We know this, but, you know, I just don't see a scenario where the Jays can kind of undercut them and, you know, 
kind of steal Ramirez away because of how much he is worth. Like, this is a superstar that we're talking about here. So that's why this scenario makes sense to me. It is a lot. Everyone knows that it's a lot. But to me, absolutely, it's worth it. I mean, first of all, Alejandro Kirk is their best trade chip that they have in this deal because of the catching surplus that they have. Rolling with Danny Jansen and Reese McGuire until Gabriel Moreno is ready. I'm comfortable with that 100%. I mean, we saw how Danny Jansen ended off 2021. He had a really good September. He started heating up in August. If they can platoon, and we know what Reese McGuire brings, you'll probably maybe have another couple catchers that could be options until Moreno's ready. I'm fine with them rolling with that. And, of course, you look at the lineup other than catching as well. It's lethal to begin with. So, And adding Ramirez in there is perfect. So if that's fine with me. That's something I think they can survive on. If there's a way, though, if you can get away with keeping Biggio and maybe giving up another lower-level prospect, I think that's something that would be pretty ideal as well. Again, I don't think the Guardians do that because they're not going to trade away Jose Ramirez and get undervalued and get fleeced is what uh, people call it. So I'd be very surprised if that happened. But I think Lourdes Gurriel Jr., unfortunately, Jacob, I think he's a staple just because of how, in the past, this is a team that was showing interest in Gurriel even before uh, we kind of heard about Ramirez in general. It was just kind of was Cleveland was interested in Gurriel, and there was a lot of reports about that even prior to the pandemic. So I just think that the fact that they were interested in him then, especially if they want to kind of rebuild and you know have Gurriel around them to do that with, that's something that you have to look into, and I think that's something that you have to sacrifice, unfortunately. The Jays are fine, if they give up Jordan Groshans, there's a lot of infielders in the organization in terms of the farm system. Jacob, you mentioned as well, or Elvis Martinez. They're fine with doing that, and I think they're fine as well if they have to sacrifice somebody like Gurriel. I, they, they have the pieces in the organization to fill in for him, especially if you're getting better with Jose Ramirez. So to answer your question about if I would do this, absolutely I, I would without hesitation. You know, it's just it's a massive haul, of course, but the player you're getting in my opinion, if everything lives up to the hype and if the production is there, what we expect and what we've seen, you got to do this deal for sure if you're the Jays. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, you're giving up Jordan Groshans, but you have so many other middle infielders in the system that are projected to be top guys. And you like same thing with catcher. You mentioned the fact that you're fine rolling with um, Jansen and McGuire until um, Marino is ready. And like, Marino being ready, that's not like a long-term thing. That's not a couple years away. Like that could be as soon as two months away from the start of the 2022 season. So it's not a long-term problem if you don't have the exact depth you want there. Because obviously like Jansen and Maguire is not an ideal combination behind the dish. Like you're going to be lacking in offensive production as much as we saw the potential towards the end of the year of Danny Jansen and at the beginning of the year for Reese McGuire, you're still going to be lacking in offensive production from both of these guys most of the time. So it's not an ideal combination, but it's really just a couple months that you're holding over. And we've seen that you can be a contender with a horrible offensive catcher. Martin Maldonado of the Houston Astros, like one of the worst offensive players in baseball And yet he is on a team that has been to the ALCS five years in a row. Like it is possible to be a competitive team with a black hole offensively at catcher. So the Blue Jays are safe doing that for the first couple months. If you're just waiting for Gabriel Marino to come up or even for a full year, if you think Marino isn't ready, which I think I know he struggled with injuries down the stretch in 2021 and just broke into triple a and, you know, first full season at catcher and all that kind of stuff. But I think, I think he's probably ready for the majors. What he was doing in the minors is ridiculous, and I think the Blue Jays are more than happy to call him up early in 2022, kind of like we saw with Alec Manoa. But that's a conversation for another day. Um, yeah, I think bottom line, I do this in a heartbeat. I You might want to see what you can do to get Biggio out of the deal because I'm high on Biggio. I like Biggio as a player. I think he's going to have a bounce-back season in 2022 because – what we saw in 2020, I think, is just kind of his full potential, and he was a really good player for the Blue Jays in 2020. You look at his power numbers that season, you look at his other offensive contributions, in addition to what he did on the field defensively. Um, he had a good season that year, and he offers a lot to the Blue Jays in that position. And I don't think they want to part with that, and if you can find a way to maneuver the deal, this hypothetical deal, so that BGO isn't part of it, 
Yeah, but I'm not sure Cleveland takes that. Like you said, Bryson, um, I think Cleveland's really looking for young, controllable players, but players who are already at the major league level because, you know, you look at where they are. They're in the middle of a rebuild. Um, who knows what hap- what's happening with Terry Francona. They have a very low payroll. They have a payroll lower than, you know, Mark Sch- Max Scherzer's sur- sal- excuse me, Max Scherzer's <laughs> salary next year they have a in, their entire payroll is less than that <laughs> one player um but they are at a point where they're kind of transitioning they're looking for new players looking for new faces of the franchise i think this deal makes so much sense um but yeah if you can find a way to avoid kevin biggio being in it yeah um it kind of scares me though that this deal makes so much sense for both teams and it hasn't happened yet it makes me wonder if there's a reason why it hasn't happened yet because it's just a perfect deal for every side and the these two organizations are very familiar with each other from Mark Shapiro and Ross Atkins working at Cleveland and all that kind of stuff. It just makes me wonder why it hasn't happened yet. Obviously lockout and everything being considered. I don't know. That part of it kind of scares me for me. I think we should uh, definitely keep our tabs open. I mean, we're, we obviously are, but uh, once this lockout is over, I think it it could be... like I'm not going to make any bold predictions this week because God knows how those go, but... Uh, <laughs> I'm just saying, this could be a very interesting first week or two after the break, and who knows, maybe this deal is made after the free agency is mostly over, but uh, it definitely could be interesting. And that's a good point you brought up, Mark, because if it if it makes so much sense, why has it not happened? And maybe it's hesitancy towards one of the players the Blue Jays are offering. Maybe the Blue Jays are trying to see if they can get something else done instead of giving up the players. I'm not entirely sure, but uh, it's definitely, I think, if it doesn't happen before the start of the 2022 season, then perhaps it just wasn't meant to be. Perhaps there was something within that deal that just didn't work out, but it, I definitely do think it could happen within the first, either either very quickly after the break or after the free agency has kind of subsided and it's the last little bit before the season. Then if it's meant to be, then I think it will happen within that time. Yeah, I think the maybe the last roadblock here before things maybe resume is obviously the lockout. So it is going to be interesting to see if we get rumors about it because obviously it's just been fan speculation pretty much about this since the lockout started, even since the offseason because the only real report that we had about it is they tried doing this in July and uh, they couldn't get a deal done. So maybe they're just trying to undervalue each other. I mean, it's it's a lot, right? So the fact that this deal is massive is maybe that's why both sides hesitate a little bit. So, and you know, to me it also makes sense, but of course, you can only go so long before this deal kind of runs out of time. Like he is a free agent in 2023 and you're not going to be giving this up in the middle of the summer. So you know that they're going to want to capitalize on this as well with time kind of running out on both sides, but more on Cleveland's side, because you have to imagine if he's going to hit the open market, they're likely not going to pay him. So maybe that's going to get to them before the season starts, before spring training starts. And um, yeah, what I'm interested in is once it does end, this lockout, most likely in some point in February, right before spring training starts, is how quickly it takes for the rumors to kick in and the speculation, even not even with the Jays, because there's going to be other teams calling uh, Cleveland for Ramirez. So I, I just to see what Cleveland, you know, what if Cleveland really wants to move him before the season, because we really don't know other than speculation, like I said, and of course the report from the summer. So definitely one of the most intriguing things to see once it ends, because it's going to be rapid fire with the free agent market. It's going to kind of pick up where it left off back in prior to December 1st, which felt, which now feels like forever ago because of how long this month has been and who knows how long January will be, but hopefully discussions start then, because as I mentioned, the first like minute of the podcast absolutely nothing um in december but as much as it was expected it still sucked and that's why you hope in january we start to have you know building baby steps because of how much these two sides do not like each other right now going back to 2020 even even probably years before that about little things so i we will take that in terms of baby steps and hopefully little things can chip away as we uh, proceed through january and into the new year we will be waiting eagerly for any news at all but um yeah i hope everyone had a enjoyable holiday season and the holiday season is still going with new year's a couple days away um this is our last podcast of 2021 so uh huge thank you to everyone who has listened in 2021 we'll be back next year in 2022 with 
everything we have to talk about, whether it's a lot, whether it's a little more likely the latter option uh but we'll see what happens until then you can support our podcast by going to patreon.com slash section 138 pod you can also find us and rate us on apple podcast and spotify i mentioned last week that spotify just opened up their new rating system so i encourage you to go check us out there just give us a little five-star review if you enjoy the podcast you can give us a two or one star review as well if you don't enjoy the podcast but i assume you wouldn't be listening this far if you didn't um and you can find our podcast on youtube as well if you normally listen to them and if you normally watch them on youtube you can find them wherever you listen to podcasts so we'll catch you next week next year until then enjoy the holiday